0: Learn all about investing in real estate in the Woodlands, Texas, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to the Woodlands, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to the Woodlands. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. The following is part four of six parts of the class Overcoming Obstacles for Real Estate Investors. Be sure to check out other parts published as separate episodes. All right, let's talk about qualifying for loans. We're gonna talk about a couple different things here related to this. So first part, income to qualify for loans. We're probably really talking more about debt to income ratio. Maybe you're talking about just raw income, but in most cases, in order to qualify for a loan, you're talking about the debt to income ratio. So how much debt you have compared to how much income you have, and the debt would include the property you're buying. So really it's income and debt. Bring in a partner that has the income to qualify for loans. For example, you can do a straight up partnership, or maybe you're doing Nomad by Proxy, where you're having mom and dad um, have you move into the property, or maybe you're the one that's kind of able to have someone else move into the property. Uh, in order to do that, maybe you're using some of their income. Uh, creative financing. So all the different creative financing strategies that don't require you to qualify. Um, you know things like buying properties subject to, or buying properties on a lease option, or getting owner financing. A lot of these do not just like by law. Like it's not by law, but by by like the way that the company does business. Like the banks, they're not going to require a debt to income. Kind of qualification thing. If you're dealing with an individual seller and it's all a negotiation. Some will, but a lot of them will not. So all the ones that do not require income qualification like those, You can improve or change your job. So you do that in order to help qualify for loans. You can use a side hustle in order to increase your income. It's usually going to take a little while for the side hustle to count. Do you remember, Austin, how long it takes for a side hustle to count whether you can qualify for a loan? Is it like couple of paychecks, or is it a full year? Does it have to show up in your tax return? Yeah, I want to say it has to show up in your tax return, right? Talk to a lender. They'll tell you. How sacking your roommates, even if you're currently renting. So uh, we talked about this earlier, I think, in another section. Um, but the idea that you could be renting yourself and get roommates, and that income can help you qualify for when you finally do go buy a property yourself. It's not instant. You can't do this. You can't get roommates for two weeks and then use that income. I think it has to show up on your tax return. But if you go and do that, that could actually help qualify you for being able to do your uh, purchase on your next property. Then bring that roommate with you. Uh, change how you're renting existing properties. So if you were getting regular rent on a property, maybe in order to qualify for your next property, you have to convert the ones to short-term rentals, have them done for a year or so. Or maybe you're doing lease options where you're getting slightly higher than market rents or something like that in order to improve the economics and the income you're receiving on your property. And then finally, optimize or reduce personal expenses, especially those that factor into DTI. So maybe you're looking at your stuff and you're like, look, I've got this really high monthly payment bill, but it's really not that much left to pay off. I probably should pay that thing off to really improve my DTI if it's limiting me from getting my loan. And a good lender will be able to go look at all that stuff and help you decide, hey, look, if you've got $2,000, maybe you should pay off this one thing and get rid of that. $80 $80 a month payment you got or something like that. Um, and then things like taxes too. If you go ahead and optimize your taxes, if you're constantly trying to make sure that your property taxes are minimized um, and your other income tax and stuff like that, that could actually help you qualify in some ways. Any questions on income to qualify for loans? Here, here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so if it's W2 payments, you can count right away. Okay. But doing something like flipping cars or something like that, where you don't have W2, then that needs to show up on tax returns and a roommate would need to show up on tax returns. Right. That's my understanding. Yeah. Go check with your lender just to make sure. What's up? Yeah, I think, I think that sounds right to me, although it could be loan specific for all I know. So. So what we set off, Mike, is there could be bank overlays and there could be, um, what do you call, compensating factors. Yeah, so go talk to a lender if you're gonna do that situation. Make sure you know exactly, before you go get roommates when you're not gonna be able to use that money for a couple of years, go talk to your lender and find out all that stuff ahead of time. And a lender would absolutely love to talk to you about those questions, um, provided you're gonna use them in the future, even if it's a year or two in the future. Any questions on this? Cool. Uh, credit score to qualify for loans. So obviously, actively improve your credit, right? Make sure you pay your bills on time, uh, work on things that you have credit blemishes for, go fix all that stuff. Um, we did a whole class. I probably need to get Jason to come back and uh, do another class on repro- improving your credit score. Anyone happen to see Jason's class on improving credit? You guys were around for that? Was that pretty cool? Yeah. So Jason did this. Maybe I'll even publish the class that we had on there to the new podcast. Um, but Jason did this like ridiculously crazy deep dive into how to improve your credit, which was, I mean, I, I had low expectations going in not because it was Jason, but just because it was like credit and like, I'm like, what can you do? But he had some really crazy, interesting stuff in there, which I was very surprised to hear about. So I'll, maybe I'll go publish that one, but actively improve your credit. Uh, bring in a partner that has credit to qualify for loans. So if you don't have the credit score, bring in a partner, or maybe you do Nomad by proxy where mom or dad or grandma and grandpa actually uh, help you buy the property. You move in, you live there for the year. They only have to put 5% down or maybe you only have to put 5% down and uh, you overcome the credit score issue by doing that. Uh, creative financing and other real estate strategies that do not require income qualification. In other words, credit score. So if you're doing wholesaling or wholesaling, or you're doing real estate brokerage, all those I kind of put in the same bucket, um, they're kind of like making immediate income by helping people find a property to buy. It's kind of the way I describe it. And depending on whether you're flipping your own personal property as a contract, wholesaling or wholesaling, or whether you have a real estate license and you're being paid a brokerage fee to represent one side of the party or act as a transaction broker and get paid a commission to do that. Those are the kind of two different variations of that. Uh, Partnership flips and uh, regular flips. So partnership flip is where you have the seller of the property, uh, remain as an owner of the property. They leave their loan in place and you kind of coordinate the repairs. And then you go, so you guys sell it together and you agree to split the profit on that in some equitable way, whatever you guys negotiate. And then regular flips is where you acquire the property. You do all the work that needs to be done. You resell the property. Um, sometimes you could do those with uh, hard money loans where it's not required. If you're doing the partnership flip, there's no loan to get. So it's really the seller keeps the same thing. So you don't need a credit score at all. And when you're doing regular flips it could be a hard money loan or something like that, or you can pay cash. Um, already mentioned partnerships, we'll talk about that. Lease option family, so you agree to lease a property with the option to buy it. A lot of times those do not require a credit score in order to do those. Uh, owner financing, and by lease option family, I mean lease option, lease purchase, rent to own, all those things in there, that kind of family thing. Any owner financing, the seller may or may not require you to have a credit score, uh, may not have a minimum credit score, or may not require a credit score at all in order to do the loans for those. Buying property subject to or wrap financing, those may not require a credit score at all. And then doing the option and option auction strategy, where you just get an option to buy the property. And then you uh, do a five-day bid sale in order to uh, sell the property in five days with the option auction. Any questions on credit score? Oh. Yep. It would change theirs. Yeah, because it would show up on theirs. And depending on how you structure it, it may actually impact yours. Depends on how you structure the entity and what's happening. If you make an LLC and you go to a portfolio lender, it may not impact that at all. Um, You know, if you're not on the loan, the one signing for it. So, all right, any questions on this? Sweetness. Loan spots. So I'm not sure if you guys know this, but the the number of spots has changed throughout the years from my understanding, but right now I'm pretty sure it's, you can have 10 loans on your credit report uh, before you can no longer get conventional investor loans. You can still get owner-occupant loans. You can still buy a 5% down property with loan spot 11 or loan spot 12 or loan spot 13, as long as you can qualify. But um, for doing additional investor loans, they're not usually allowing you to do more than 10 loans. They, They won't allow you to do loan 11 or greater as an investor once you already have 10. So that's the way to describe it. And go talk to a lender if you want more details on that. So once you get to the point where you've used up all your loan spots, this becomes a challenge. It becomes a challenge for a lot of folks. So how do you deal with this challenge? Well, one thing you could do is bring in a partner that has spots for loans. So do partnerships where you bring in loan partners and maybe you provide the down payments. maybe that's not a challenge for you. Or maybe you do Nomad by proxy and you have other people getting involved with those and and buying the property that way. Um, You could get portfolio loans. So this is the solution I think a lot of investors go to. They'll go to a a local bank that does portfolio loans that they're not doing conventional financing, they're keeping the loans on their books and they will allow you to do loans. Typically the problem with those is um, most of the portfolio lenders that I know are not doing 30 year fixed rate financing. They're doing a 30 year term, but a lot of the loans are variable. And it could be, you know, they're fixed for five years and then they become variable. Um, But the challenge is that they're not 30 year fixed rate financing loans. Um, the, the local company that I know that does a lot of portfolio loans, they do have a 15-year 15, 15 fixed rate financing loan. So you can get 15 years with fixed rate, but then the cash flow on a 15-year uh, fixed rate financing loan usually is much worse because your shortened uh, amortization period really impacts your cash flow on that. So just something to consider if you're doing those portfolio loans. That's why the, the 10 loan spots for these loans is so important to be able to get 30-year fixed rate financing. It's a kind of an important thing. Um, get creative financing. So you can do all the stuff we talked about in the creative financing class, subject to lease option, lease purchase, owner financing, all those um, that don't require any type of income loan qualification, don't use loan spots. Uh, you could change a strategy to one that does not require loans at all. For example, buy with a lease option. You're not getting a loan, you're, you're leasing the property and then you have an option to buy it. Or buy free clear properties. You know, save up all the money you have in order to buy the property free and clear. Or do subleases. You know, you lease a property and you have the ability to sublease it. Uh, you could also pay off existing properties that you own to free up loan spots. So work toward paying off the property, maybe your lowest balance loan so that it frees up a loan spot. And then you could use another 30-year uh, financing spot to do that. Then pay off another one, then acquire the next property. So you can sort of use this to, it's almost like the debt snowball, except you're, well, I guess it is a debt snowball because it is debt, it's mortgage debt. So you're using all the properties and maybe extra income in order to pay off one loan, get it down, become free and clear. Then you only have nine loans and then you go buy your 10th property and you kind of keep repeating this until you get the ones you need. Uh, alternate loan spots was... Yes, if you have a refi, then it becomes a new loan. Yep, yeah. And uh, the same thing with refis, a lot of times they won't allow you to do a refinance if you've already got ten loans, um, so it becomes really tricky though, because let's say you go get eleven loans. My understanding, it becomes hard to even do like a rate and term refi on the ones that you had beforehand. So it becomes almost this really weird puzzle that you need to move stuff around and it gets it gets much harder when you do that. You know, a lot of folks, a lot of folks think, you know, the hard part is acquiring the first deal or second deal or third deal. Well, you just change your challenges. I mean. Once you get to the point where you have 10 properties, now it becomes a whole new set of challenges you need to work through. It's not that it's easier, just different problems you're trying to solve and work through, if that makes sense. Uh, So alternate loan spots with your spouse. So um, let's say you and your spouse are buying properties. They can get 10 loans on their social security number. You can get 10 loans on your social security number. You can get 20 combined. So if you're going to buy properties, but you're both going on the loans or you're both going on title and on the loans, then that becomes potentially problematic. You limit it. The tricky part is some lenders will give you pushback if you're doing joint taxes. If you're both on the tax return, some lenders will give you pushback saying, you know, it's really on the same tax return. It's really both you guys. So we're all going to count those for them as well, for her or him, depending on what it is um, for, for that sort of situation. So you may need to file separate tax returns. and Then you have some tax issues as to whether or not you're taking, you know, the joint married things, all that other stuff. So I'm not a tax guy. So realize you might get some pushback from lenders if you're doing that. But if you're thinking to yourself, look, I'm really trying to do this 20 loan strategy and my spouse and I are gonna alternate. You know, think about this ahead of time. Go talk to a good tax advisor. Go talk to a good lender and make sure that your plan is sound. And then maybe you do separate your tax returns a couple of years ahead of time before you get close to that number uh, to make sure that you can do what you need to do. Any questions on loan spots? This concludes part four of six of Overcoming Obstacles for Real Estate Investors. Listen to the next episode, part five of six, on finding what you're missing. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. Cash flow on rental properties in the woodlands is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in the woodlands that wants to help our real estate investor listeners, consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast. We'd love to add more value to our listeners by having you assist our investors buy, sell, and finance their real estate investments. See the show notes to schedule a call to discuss collaboration opportunities.